Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. You were at the Bears-Vikings game on Sunday, weren't you? I was. And did you take a shot ski with Coach Q? I didn't. <laughs> it's a great regret of my life. <laughs> I didn't go track him down. Yeah, Joel Quenville walking around the parking lot at Soldier Field doing Shatskis with the Bears fans before the Vikes game. It's just like a perfect thing. A man of the people. He really is. I I wanted to bring up this game because um, I'm in Nashville as we do the show today. I'm checking out the uh, Lightning and the Predators tonight. And uh, we were watching the end of the Bears-Vikings game and Martin's Barbecue. Highly recommended. And, um, And we see the game. We watch the end of the game. Game is over. It's done with. Big win for the Bears. Everybody's very happy except for Kirk Cousins, who believed, by the way, that the game was flexed to uh, the nighttime because of the Vikings, not because of the Bears, which is hilarious. Amazing. But that's neither here nor there. We then end up at a karaoke bar, which was its own adventure. But I want to focus on this game. On the TV, as we walk in, uh, I notice that the Bears-Vikings game is on. And mm-hmm. I say to myself, oh, it must be like the post-game show. And I'm watching it, and I'm watching it, and I notice that it is right before What's-His-Face on the Bears makes his kick. The kicker that couldn't kick. Cody Parkey. Yeah. So part, right before Parkey makes his, his field goal, um, I noticed that it's actually the game itself that's being broadcast in this bar. And we come to realize that I think that the bar was using a feed from like PlayStation View that kept on freezing. And so it's playing out in real time, except occasionally the feed has been frozen. So it's now actually behind reality. And I got to tell you, I've long wanted to do this gag and I came as close as I possibly could last night to doing it but because I'm in Nashville and I'm me I just I didn't want to get shot which is to go up to somebody at a bar as this game that has already been played is going on and just running over being like I'll bet you 50 bucks he makes the kick (laughs) you could have made out like a bandit amongst the like leftover bachelor and bachelorette parties I I, could have made out with it like a bandit until someone's like hey man I'll just check my my phone, this game's been over for two hours. And then, and I'm running out and there's all kinds of crazy piano music playing. So yeah, it was, it was a real fun time and, and Nashville's a hoot. Um, coming up on the show today, we have Lindsay Fry, uh, a special advisor to the Coyotes now who's going to tell us about her new gig. Um, plus a lot more on ESPN and Ice, including the rant line and, and lots of Turkey Day stuff. So, uh, with that, uh, let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. Hey everybody, welcome to ESPN on ice, the podcast where ESPN covers hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, a national NHL reporter. And it is Turkey Week means that we're doing the podcast a little bit earlier than usual uh, for it is uh, American Thanksgiving this week or just Thanksgiving, which is how I refer to it. And uh, and that means that it is time once again for your friends at ESPN to focus on the things in hockey we're thankful for. It's a list that uh, we, we I think we created it for the website last year. We're going to do the podcast this year. It's an old Puck Daddy standard too. things in hockey that we're thankful for or what we're thankful for in hockey. Really, I don't know what the proper grammar is, but you get the gist of the list. I mean, that's just what it is. This is the turkey day list that you do every year around this time. Gobble, gobble. You want to go first? Since it is American Thanksgiving, I am thankful for this young wave of ascending American stars who are going to bring our great sport into mainstream America and sell it like a way we haven't seen before. We haven't had this much young talent like Austin Matthews and Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Eichel and the number one pick in the draft next year, Hughes. And I could go on and on of all these young guys that are skating in circles. The biggest shame is that most of them are stored away in Canada, like Matthews and the Kachuk brothers and, <laughs> and Brock Besser. But you know what? We call them our own, and uh, we hope that they all have a great Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful for them. <laughs> stored away. Like, like they're all in a giant... Raiders of the Lost Ark style warehouse at Mountie headquarters. They're just like <laughs> being kept Air away Canada from the United bin. States. They're actually at the airport sorting through their bins because in Canada they make you do a million bins. So that's what they're <laughs> spending their time doing. I also, I mean, you're also bearing the lead here, which is that these Americans are going to be ones that finally lead us to Olympic prominence again and finally get us a gold medal and defeat Canada, much like the women have. Mm-hmm. It's time for the men to do the same. Can't wait for that to happen when the players go to the Olympics, obviously. I will also go young with my first what I'm thankful for in hockey uh, this year in 2018. 
and I will go with a young Swede, mm. Elias Pettersson, of course. Now, this dude is here's the thing that's amazing about about Pedersen and his ascension on top of the incredible numbers which you know a little bump in the road recently but it's okay he's still going to win the Calder in a walk um it's the fact that you have all of these people around the league that are giving him these incredible accolades this early in his career like you know I just saw Paul Maurice uh before the the Jets take on the Canucks um said this is what he said about Pedersen. I'm not going to put a label on it because it's not fair, but the way he moves and finds himself space, his hockey IQ is up there with the likes of Line A's shot and McDavid's speed. So he's so smart. He's as smart as McDavid is fast. You know how smart that is? That makes him basically the smartest being in the universe. It's pretty great. I love that he's commodified all of these items. Yeah, exactly. So Pedersen's uh, what I'm very thankful for in hockey, that this incredible young talent has graced himself. Uh, on the NHL, and uh, and Vancouver is going to be great for it. All right. Well, you singled out a player, so I will go uh, stay in that continent uh, area, but go a little bit uh, further and pick a nice Russian, Evgeny nope. Kuznetsov, I am uh, thankful for. Because any time I have an article where I have to ask weird questions to people, I always get one great response from one Kuznetsov. And what I love about him... Um, is that he is an amazing hockey player that probably is totally underrated. Maybe because he's Russian, we don't appreciate him as much. He's not a scorer. He's, you know, a playmaker and he's a center. But um, he just speaks his mind. There's something that's so authentic about him, um, so pure. And I love talking <laughs> to guys like that. And I wish that so many others could just capture the spirit of Kuzi and speak to me and give me great quotes and give me all the best articles in the world. My body is ready for the spirit of Kuzi. <laughs> um, like it's some sort of ritual. I, yeah. You know, I, him being underrated is interesting. When you said that, I'm like, I bristled a little bit. I'm like, is he really underrated? Like he's definitely led the team in scoring. But when you think about playing in the shadow of Alex Ovechkin, who not mm-hmm. only is a hockey legend, but also a countryman, and then also playing on the same team as Backstrom, like it might be a situation where He's not underrated in the sense that we usually throw the word around where like people don't talk about him, but he's maybe underrated in the sense that his true greatness isn't recognized because he is playing in the long shadow of, of other teammates that are well-established. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, for what I'm, I'm thankful for, my second one, the immediate availability of hockey highlights. Now, this is a, a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. The bad thing is that I don't think people necessarily feel like they have to watch hockey games anymore. I think they feel like if anything happens in a game, they can hop on Twitter or hop on the ESPN app or go anywhere and immediately find the plays that are important in that game. Mm -hmm. That said, you can immediately find the important plays that happen in a game. (laughs) And it's pretty much the greatest. Like, you know, having your your feet open on an NHL night or or even if you're just out at the bars or whatever and just like knowing that when McDavid does something, when Line A does something, when something does happen in a game, be it a fight, be it all that – Battle of Alberta circus nonsense that happened this week between Edmonton and Calgary. Like, whatever happens, you have it at the ready to then see it. And as, you know, a guy who remembers 15 years ago and being a hockey fan, it was not necessarily the case. You, you know, when I started a puck daddy, you had to wait until the next morning to publish stuff because that's just kind of like how long you had to wait for it to hit YouTube. Uh, and now, you know, YouTube's the thing of, of the past as far as finding hockey highlights. You just go to, you know, NHL gifts and find out, you know, what little kid beat up gritty. Last night, you know, and that kind of thing. So it's it's it, the availability of highlights is what I'm thankful for in hockey because it is so easier now than it used to be to just follow along with the incredible, uh, you know, actions of these players. Well, Greg mentioned Gritty, and I'm sure you're listening to this wondering, will Gritty make the list? I will <laughs> let the suspense end here. I am thankful for Gritty. He is my number three. The reason is, and this fits in the theme of my first two, but he's helping grow the sport. How many people are talking about Gritty and therefore the Philadelphia Flyers? Plenty. He's fun. He has a sad backstory that we can all relate to. He's lovable. And he's the gift that keeps on giving. And I think so many times hockey players and hockey teams take themselves a little too seriously. And Gritty brings back the fun. Now, the one caveat I have is I think my big thing here is like, oh, Gritty's helping grow the game. There's so many people who are talking about Gritty, therefore talking about hockey. I'm not sure every single person talking about Gritty is now going up and following Michael Nuvris, uh imminent 18th injury of the year and the <laughs> battle he has with Brian Elliott and when Carter Hart is going to be pulled up. I, I just right. don't think that's happening. But right. we're talking about hockey, and generally that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and the other thing about Gritty, too, is that I think that he has become the focal point of cartoonish violence for the Flyers. Hence, as we talk about this team right now, uh, on this date right now, November 19th, as we do the show, the Philadelphia Flyers don't have a fighting major. 
That is wild. They, Imagine some people who might have woken up from a coma for 30 years and finding out that stat. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, here, he's like, oh, God, it's a coma. What's, what's happened in the world? Oh, well, you know, amongst the uh, uh, incredible things, uh, the Flyers don't have a fighting major and we're no- in November. Also, their mascot is a radioactive mop. You may be interested in knowing that as well. A lot's happened. I'm not even going to talk about the White House. Um, so my next thing I'm thankful for is uh, a true uh, mascot in his own right, and that's Brad Marchand. Now, I know that there are a lot of people out there that have tired of the circus act. We'll actually talk about one of those people later in the show during a very popular segment. Um, but I seriously just love the guy. Like, you know, I know that people gave him, you know, grief for waving the white flag in the penalty box and getting a misconduct the other night. But, like, I'm thinking more along the lines of when <laughs> – when he mocked an opponent for for um, um, not fabricating, but it, uh, um, uh, embellishing an injury in order to draw a call, and he actually like pantomimed what it was on the ice. I, 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 there's no, I can't remember a player in the NHL that had the total package of trollish behavior and incredible offensive acumen. Sean Avery certainly didn't. Uh, Darcy Tucker certainly didn't. Um, any number of other guys certainly didn't. Uh, Marchand is, is a beauty, as they say in the business, and a singular talent. And while I know many people would like him to change, uh, I would like him to uh, take a licking and keep on ticking, Emily. I love it. Uh, I'm going a little more abstract with this, and by that it's not something you would expect. But you know what I'm grateful for, Greg? What's that? I'm grateful for the movie Miracle. Oh, right. I'm grateful for the movie Miracle because it never gets old. Anytime I'm having a sad day, I recently found out it was on Netflix. I can watch it. I can quote <laughs> Herbrook speech with him and feel really good about myself because I've memorized all these words to this Disney speech and it's wonderful. It's a movie that galvanizes everyone. I think it's the greatest sports movie of all time that everyone can agree upon. I mean, Rudy alienates people. There's a lot of people who don't like Rudy. Right. Uh, Notre Dame people, you know, it's, it's a lot. Uh, remember the Titans might be up there with, um, you know, it's general. Uh, likability uh, for mm-hmm. all audiences, but Miracle is just a great movie, a great story, and I'm glad that it is it has aged well with time. Yes, and I will also add that if it were not for the movie Miracle, we would have never found uh, the true joy that was Joshua Sacco, the chubby four year old kid who wore the Herb Brooks suit and did the entire Herb Brooks speech on YouTube, which became a viral sensation. <laughs> As I said, it's the gift that keeps on giving. The little four-year-old who goes up there. I'm sick and tired of hearing about the Russians. Throw them. It's greatest. It never stops being great. That's my miracle. I watch you watch the actual movie over again, and I watch I watch the kid over and over again. Yeah, that's the difference. And that's your greatest impression from now on. You impersonating a four-year-old, impersonating her Brooks, imper- impersonating Kurt Russell, impersonating her Brooks. <laughs> it's like a. It's like a rush, a Russian nesting doll of, of, of greatness, that impression. Um, my next thing I'm thankful for in hockey this year would be the pit of misery at NHL games. Now look, the Bud Light dilly dilly, uh, uh, marketing thing, provided they don't advertise in the show, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of the dilly dilly commercials. I think it's one of those things that's kind of worked, but now they've driven it into the ground, much like every beer commercial trope. But I will say this, the pit of misery being applied to penalty boxes, not only in the National Hockey League, but around hockey, is really brilliant. And I will give Dilly Dilly a pass if it means that somebody gets a penalty, they play the clip on the Jumbotron that says, you've been sent to the pit of misery, and then 17,000 hockey fans all go, Dilly Dilly, afterwards, you've sold me. I've, I will I will allow that to occur in perpetuity, because it is very, very funny and close to being organic, although I know that Bud Light has put advertising on the penalty boxes. So the pit of misery at NHL games, I am thankful for that. Amazing. Well, this is going to round out my list, and I want to get a little sentimental because this holiday is sentimental for me. It's my favorite holiday. Oh, and I remember last year when we did too. this list online, I said I was thankful for all the people I had met in hockey. I was new to the sport, and everyone had been so kind and generous uh, with their time. But um, a year later, I'm thankful for our readers and listeners um, that Greg and I have built. And, uh, you know, we sometimes feel like we're climbing uphill battle covering um, a sport that our, our network doesn't carry. But we really work hard. And those who follow us, and it seems like it is growing slowly, humble brag, weird flex, but okay. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, really do tack on. So I'm grateful for each of you um, who is listening to this right now, who reads our stories and gives us feedback because it really means a lot. And to our editors, Amy Crawford and Tim Cavanaugh and Ben Arledge and Chris Brow, uh, who have supported us along the way and, and really have a vision. Oh, I can follow that up. And, I mean, and it's certainly gotten easier this year now that we have the games again. Yeah, Absolutely that's good true. Thing. So, yeah, everything's coming up, me and you. Um <laughs> By the way, I also like the fact that, you know, the, the subtext to your uh, favorite thing in hockey is I found out all the people that I was thankful for last year are, are miserable bastards. And uh, <laughs> it's, hor- it's horrible being them. a hockey writer. <laughs> I'm not thankful for them anymore. Why don't you call me back? Um, my last thing I'm thankful for, uh, you know, I, I am not necessarily a fan of the forced parity in the National Hockey League, be it the loser point, be it the salary cap, uh, creating a, an entire league of teams that are just kind of good. Um, but one of the things that parity does give us is unpredictability. So what mm-hmm. am I what am I thankful for in hockey? I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that every year it seems like we're getting teams like Colorado and New Jersey last season, like the Buffalo Sabres this season, like teams that are coming back from their own pits of misery and mm-hmm. uh, and rallying for like 35 or 40 point increases in the standings. I don't know if this trend will necessarily continue, but I do feel like it's a function of obviously a the uh the the draft being what it what it is for teams to quickly turn their franchises around if they use it properly and then b also the fact that you know with everybody just kind of being within a few clicks of each other outside of maybe the the lightning and the and the predators and and maybe the leafs this year um it's kind of easy to climb back into it pretty quickly as the sabers have shown this year so far so i'm i'm i i i hate the salary cap i hate uh the forced fake parody fake parody i hate all of it except for the fact that you have teams that can make these miraculous turnarounds, and then when that happens, their fan bases get super jacked like everything that's happening in Buffalo right now. So, I love it. Yeah. I think it's Uh-oh. unique to hockey. Well, those are some solid lists. But I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for, Emily. I'm thankful for the existence of Stamps.com. <laughs> now listen, the holiday season. The holiday season is upon us. I'm sure there's going to be many of you who will run out and start buying their Black Friday gifts later this week, getting all this stuff for their friends and relatives but you know what sometimes your friends and relatives they don't live next door this isn't like the the 1700s where everybody's living in the same town you don't know anybody from anywhere else no people are spread all over the world now and that is why you need stamps.com because you can get everything practically on demand these days like our podcast for example but you can even now get postage on demand with stamps.com with stamps.com you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk you can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or package. Packages containing big flat screen TVs, potentially. All available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You just click print mail and you are done. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage each time. For example, you put the flat screen TV on the scale. Now, I might crush the scale. I wouldn't recommend it. But it's just an example of what you could use it for. Now, Stamps.com is great for me and Emily because it is a way for us to send things to our loved ones. In my case, sometimes an occasional prize for another podcast that I do. And uh, right now, you could use ICE, I-C-E, this special offer on Stamps.com, a four-week trial that includes postage and that digital scale. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else, and you click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in ICE, I-C-E, at Stamps.com. And you enter the promo code ICE. Now joining us, you may know her as one of the great women who has suited up for Team USA. But uh, she has a new role, and that's as an ambassador and advisor to the CEO of the Arizona Coyotes. Lindsay, did I get your, Lindsay Fry, of course, did I get your title right? Uh, it sounds perfect. Well done. Amazing. Now, can you explain <laughs> to us all what that means and what you're going to be doing with the Yotes? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of twofold. Um, I've actually been an ambassador for the team um, on the hockey side and the hockey development side for the past year, um, specifically running the girls' programming. So I've been running the Small Fries program, um, which has been awesome. It's an all-girls development program, which I'm sure I'll talk more about. Um, But that's sort of one part of the job that I'll continue to do. Um, And then there's this advisory piece working directly with our president and CEO, Aaron Cohen. Um, And really, my role is going to be, you know, serving as sort of the bridge between the grassroots Arizona hockey community that I grew up in um, here in Arizona and uh, the team and making sure that as we're working on 
youth hockey development and fandom development. Um, you know, we have a really good communication between, you know, the Coyotes and, and the Valley. And so my job is really to just kind of make sure that, you know, we have that line of communication open and um, we continue to, to build our fan base here in, in Phoenix. Lindsay, how much of that is you knowing the community, you knowing the youth hockey scene, knowing the fan scene, and being able to communicate some of the wants and needs of the grassroots to the team itself, like kind of acting as almost their liaison to ownership? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I think we just want to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, um, the the hockey community here in Arizona, they're really some of our biggest fans and, and have the potential to be our biggest fans. And so I think it is really important to make sure that that, you know, line of communication between, uh, you know, what the kids need in the rinks and the East Valley and uh, how, you know, how much the team here in Glendale knows about it. And so um, I've been around Arizona hockey pretty much my entire life. Um, I was fortunate to be able to come back after college and, and get really involved um, with all the different ranks and, and a lot of the different stakeholders. And, you know, that goes all the way from rink owners down to, you know, the six-year-old kid who's trying hockey out for the first time. So um, I think I really do have a good understanding of what all of that is like um, and at least have kind of the network and the connections to find out what it is that they do want and uh, want to see from the Arizona Coyotes. So um, I, I really do think it's a good fit for me. Uh, it's been, you know, a really important part of my life, and I want to make sure that, um, like I said, kind of the communication and, and the two-way beneficial street for both parties is there. I saw a ridiculous stat, and by I saw, I mean, uh, Greg Dillard, the wonderful PR guy for the Arizona <laughs> Cody, sent it to me. And that's women's hockey has grown 152% since 2012. That's just astonishing to me. What would you attribute the biggest reason for that? You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, uh, you know, I have to give a ton of credit to Matt Schott, who has been working with the Arizona Coyotes in our amateur hockey development department. Um, I've known Matt for pretty much my whole life. We both grew up playing in the same rink in Chandler. And he, I mean, when he got that job, I think back in 2012, um, around that time frame, he just really took a, took it upon it, um, took it upon himself, excuse me, to really dedicate time to growing girls hockey. Um, you know, he would bring players like myself out. We've brought out a bunch of other Olympians, former college players who grew up in Arizona. Um, so he's really worked hard. And I think, you know, I've just been fortunate to sort of come in after the fact and continue to help him build that and continue to bring a name and, and kind of a story to, you know, everything that we've been trying to do here with the Coyotes and girls hockey. Um, I think, of course, you know, the, the, the televised um, attention that we've been getting for Olympic women's hockey uh, has been extremely helpful in the last five years or so. Um, you know, between the Sochi Olympics that were getting blasted all over uh, different, different uh, channels on TV for kids to watch, and especially this last one where the women won gold, which was incredible. Um, I know all my small fries girls were staying up late to watch it. I'm sure everybody else around the country who has a girl playing hockey was watching it. So I think a lot of that has just really helped spearhead it. And, and again, I mean, it comes from, you know, people down at the grassroots level also taking an interest in girls hockey. So it's been, it's been a really collaborative effort. Um, and I think now that we've, we've got the small fries program up and running uh, this year, it's just going to continue to blossom. So we're really excited about that. Well, it was nice for the, that the NHL men stepped aside and let the women have the spotlight for a year. That was good in the Olympics. Yeah, no kidding, right? And, uh, <laughs> and also, Lindsay, please correctly identify the occurrence, uh, that happened in Pyeongchang. Uh, it wasn't winning a gold medal. It was beating Canada. Um, last Absolutely. one for me. <laughs> last one. Yeah. Especially after the way you guys went down in Sochi. I'm still crying about that. Ugh, that was the worst. Oh, um, you and me both. <laughs> Last one for me. Um, you know, when, when this news was announced, obviously every time, um, a woman gets a chance, uh, at, uh, at being inside the power structure of a team, be it Haley Wickenheiser, you know, with the Leafs or, or, you know, anywhere else where this is happening, it's becoming really big news. Um, you know, one, your thoughts on, on more, on women kind of, uh, using the executive route maybe to get more involved in the NHL. 
and your thoughts on on what this uh, might mean for for other folks that maybe played for the national team and are looking for a way into the National Hockey League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing that's kind of cool, if you look at you know my story and Haley Wickenheiser's story, um, you know she's much more in the hockey ops side. I'm much more in kind of the the business side and. Um, I think it just kind of goes to show that there are different routes that you can take. Um, I know that the NHL is definitely pushing to get more women involved as ambassadors. Um, and so I think that's a great entry point. That's exactly what I did. Um, my relationship with the Coyotes really started out as a girls hockey ambassador, coming out for some events, helping them run some clinics. And it's just kind of grown and developed from there. Um, I think something that's really valuable about female hockey players um, you know, until recently, we really didn't have a professional league to look toward. Um, you know, if you either made it onto one of those 21 slots on an Olympic roster, or you didn't really have a place to continue playing and, you know, being paid a livable wage. So all of these women have college degrees. They're all college educated. And so I think that's something that's really valuable because they understand the game they understand the market, um, and they, they're smart women. So uh, I hope that, you know, there's now an opportunity for other women like myself to see, you know, hey, I could potentially pursue the hockey ops route like Haley Wickenheiser or the Lindsay Fry route and try to get more into, you know, the front office for the team and, and see how I can contribute that way. So um, I, I think something that's really important is to have, more women like myself who understand hockey involved in NHL teams because um, at the end of the day, I think women is the other 50% of the market <laughs> that you know we need to continue to tap into and who more expert than female hockey players. I love it. Well, Lindsay, we are so happy for you and can't wait to see what you do in this new role and appreciate you joining our show. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Our thanks to Lindsay for coming on. And I hope all of our listeners know that Discover is actually the official credit card of the NHL. What for what? Yeah, it is. And with Discover, you can show how much you love your team everywhere you shop with a personalized card featuring your favorite NHL's team's logo and colors like the Arizona Coyotes. But no matter what team you root for, Discover is committed to rewarding all their new card members with cash back match. Only Discover offers a dollar-for-dollar match on all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Automatically, no caps, no signups. Redeem your rewards at any moment, at any time, and they never expire. With all of that extra cash, you can treat yourself to center eye seats at the game, your favorite player's jersey, or maybe buy some new headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on. Just saying. You can try it and believe it at discover.com slash NHL. Only for new card members. Limitations apply. All right, now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week, featuring one of our favorite people, Sachin Chandan of ESPN. As you know, he is a trivia maven, a numbers guy, and each week provides us with the magic that is. Sash got your number. I'm back this week with a riddle. Six NHL teams do not have one of these. What am I? I'm going to harbor a guess. You ready? Yeah, let's hear it. My guess is that six NHL teams do not have a mascot based on a real animal. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you very much. I feel like that is probably not the answer, but it is a very intelligent and well-reasoned guess that may not necessarily be accurate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm going to say six NHL teams are not like the Blackhawks in that they have no players with any kind of no-movement clause. Oh, my God. That's a really good one, too. Thank I you. feel like both of us have done really well on this this I week. I think we're which both means... right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Zach says is right, too, but we're also both right. That's right. It's... Hey, Greg and Emily, it's a tie. <laughs> oh, and he's a tie connoisseur. All right. Uh, let's hear what uh, Sash got your number is this week. A captain. Six NHL teams. The Red Wings. The Rangers. The Senators, the Maple Leafs, the Canucks, and the Sweet Golden Knights do not currently have a captain. Yeah, I mean, or an animal-based mascot, or people with no move clauses, I guess, in hindsight. Yeah, we'll have to fact-check that. Captains are overrated, aren't they? Like, if that many teams in the league right now don't have a captain, that tells me the captains are overrated. And you're talking about some of the best teams in the league, like the New York Rangers. (laughs) Yes, it's true. 
And some of the some of the worst teams in the league, like the Vegas Golden Knights, because up is down and left is right. Yeah. And thank goodness for parity. All right, let's let's talk about one of the reasons why teams like the Vegas Golden Knights are struggling this year. It is the incredible tidal wave of injuries that we've seen in the National Hockey League in the first two months of the season. Um, briefly, people that are hurt or have been recently hurt. Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Arvidsson, who, by the way, came back from being hurt and then got hurt again. Sidney Crosby, Zdeno Chara, and Charlie McAvoy, and Tori Krug, and Brennan Carlo. Um, P.K. Subban, John Klingberg, Austin Matthews, um, and of course, Paul Stasny of the Golden Knights, which, you know, completely torpedoed one of the uh, primary acquisitions for them uh, in the summer. And there's a ton of missing, too. That's just, that's like top of the, the, the tip of the iceberg as far as the injuries in this league so far this year. Yeah, so for ESPN.com, shameless plug, uh, I have an injury panic index that will be running on Tuesday. And um, I, I kind of ranked it of who has had the injuries pile up the worst because it seems like every fan base is just lamenting. It's us, it's us. I think it's unequivocally the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. Like their season has been torpedoed. If you look at their list, they're now without two of their best defensemen, Cam Fowler and Hampus Lidholm. Uh, they were at Corey Perry, of course, Matt Comtois. I, wow, that's not how you pronounce it, but he's been a great rookie. He's out. Pat and they had, they missed the beat. They missed Andre Kasha at the beginning of the season, yeah, too. Yeah, they did. They didn't yeah. have him for a while. Uh, so they're number one for me. Number two is the Bruins. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because of the, uh, area that it was hit the hardest. That's the blue line. They literally had a game on Saturday where they had three defensemen suit up that had less than 10 games of combined experience. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and then after that, uh, you got the not great. The stars have been hit, and especially their blue line. The Flyers obviously have both their goalies kind of jostling around. And how about the Canucks? The, the fact that they are up there right now, they're an 82 point pace right now, which it would shock everybody. And they've done it without a lot of players, uh, paling in their lineup, including Brock Bastard, who just hasn't really been himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, the, the Vasilevsky one for the Lightning is a really interesting one because, you know, whenever somebody goes out, Somebody comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I've always been fascinated by guys like Louis Domingue right now for the Lightning in the sense that when you're a backup goalie and, and, and not like a 1-1-A type situation like some teams have, like it's Vasilevsky and then the other guy, right? You have to kind of be in a weird spot where you're like, oh, this is incredible. Now I get like four weeks to play in front of this, in, in, in back of this incredible team, you know, and, and it's a great audition for me because I want to be a starter in this league again like I was in Arizona. Um, it's, it's a really interesting spot for Domingue. Well-liked guy on this team with Tampa. I spent some time with them yesterday and, and a player that they have a lot of confidence in. But for him personally, like, you know, it's a chance to really kind of show your stuff for teams that might be looking for someone to acquire and throw into the starters mix after this year. Like, it's a real important audition for him on top of trying to keep his team afloat with Vasilevsky out. Well, can I ask you something? And I don't know if this is a spoiler to your story, but is it true that he almost quit hockey last year after the way things ended with the Coyotes? I, I heard that. I also heard that he's got a, a heck of a backstory insofar as like paying for his own ice and, and, and doing that kind of thing coming up. Like he is, he, he's, he's stuck with it. I mean, he's the stuff of the Masterton trophy, Emily. Um, but, uh, but in this case, I just think it's a situation where like they don't have a lot behind him. Um, you know, they have a lot of an experience behind him, you know, the kids at Syracuse and stuff like that. So, uh, it's going to be his crease going forward, and and you know I think he's a guy that can play well. I think he's he's someone that especially on this team, um, you know, a, a, a Lightning team that is going to be a bit more responsible defensively. I think this year than in, in than in last year, where they really over relied on Vasilevsky for most of the season. Uh, it's going to be a real nice audition for him. It sucks that Vasilevsky's out. I think I think now every single goalie that might have been selected in the preseason choices uh, for uh, for our our Vezina Trophy winners at ESPN uh, is either injured or they suck. Maybe a couple people pick Gibson and they look like geniuses, but I know that like you pick Murray, I pick Vasilevsky. Neither one of those guys is probably going to win the Vezina this year. Not great, Bob. Well, the bottom line, Emily, is that there's a lot of guys in the press box walking around in suits instead of being on the ice. Mm. And hopefully those guys have the good sense of going to our friends at Indochino to get those suits. Because you know why? They got hockey bodies. They got hockey butt, Emily. They got to be able to get the suits tailored and fitted to the hockey butt, as we all know. Exactly. And with Indochino, you can get measured suits to fit your body. They, the whole gig is this. They're North America's leading made-to-measure menswear company. Okay, They make suits and shirts to fit your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. 
They have a wide variety of fabrics, colors, patterns to make Indochino so stylish. And there's no longer any excuse for wearing an ill-fitting suit, gentlemen, especially when they're available at such great prices. Highest quality, lowest price. That's the Indochino mantra. Here's how it works. You visit a stylist in their showroom and have them take your measurements personally or measure yourself at home and shop online at Indochino.com. Choose your fabric inside and out. Choose your design customizations, monograms, and that kind of thing. You can submit your measurements with your choices and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple weeks. Now, you might be off the IR at that point in the NHL, but, you know, the next time you get injured, you'll have the suit, and it's great. November is Black Friday season, the whole season of Black Fridays, Emily, uh, meaning the 2018's lowest prices uh, up to 70% off everything at Indochino. It's all about stepping out from backstage, making an entrance, taking center stage. It's your moment in the spotlight, even if you're in the press box. This week, listeners to ESPN and ICE can get Black Friday pricing by using the promo code ICE, I-C-E, at checkout. That's 70% off the regular price for a made-to-measure suit. Shipping is free. It's Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code ICE for up to 70% off. An incredible deal for a made-to-measure suit. As you know, Emily, once you go custom, you never go rack. I said never go rack. Never go rack? Those are crickets. <laughs> I was laughing so hard that it's one of those laughs that the sound just doesn't come out. <laughs> Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Our weekly oh, look at sad hyperbole and strange narratives of the hockey media. Good one, Randy. Good one. Good one, Randy. Good one. We go to Toronto, where the the epicenter, the cradle of life for Phil Kessel of hot dogs, uh, for Brian Burke, former National Hockey League general manager, turned Don Cherry in waiting on Sportsnet. He doesn't like Brad Marchand's act. Remember when we were talking about things we're thankful for, for earlier in the podcast? I was like, I'm thankful for Brad Marchand, but this dude isn't. Well, that dude is, in fact, Brian Burke, and he had many things to say about a player with 21 points in 20 games, but a player who picked up 18 minutes in penalties, including a 10-minute misconduct for waving a white towel on his stick from the penalty box in the Bruins' recent overtime loss to Dallas. Well, the GM or Cam Neely has to sit down and say it's got to stop. So let's start with the player. This is a quality player. This is a valuable player. He kills penalties. He scores goals. He fights. This guy is one of the most complete players in the NHL. I love him. I can't stand the clown show. The licks, the kisses, the slew foots, mm-hmm. the antics with the fans, the white towel. Why does such a quality hockey player have to engage in a clown show like this when he plays on a line with maybe the, he plays with a couple, his line mate, his center, Patrice Bergeron, one of the classiest guys in the league. He plays with Zidane Chara. He's got role models. He, Ray Bork was there. He doesn't need to do this. That's what cracks me up. It hurts the league's image. It hurts the Boston Bruins image. And it ruins his image, which is a shame. He's a quality player. Knock it off, Brad. Enough. Stop being a clown. Okay. Some things to unpack here. First of all, I find it really hard to believe that this was anything that Brian Burke would have said about Chris Pronger. Like Chris Pronger was a centerpiece, a jewel of the Brian Burke, Anaheim Ducks, Stanley Cup victory. And I'm sure the nuance here will be like, well, Chris Pronger used to just stomp on guys on the ice with his skate. He wasn't waving flags around in the penalty box. Sure. Uh, yeah, the nuance of the argument, Brian. I mean, I think it's one of these situations where if the guy is on your team, you're willing to put up with the antics because of what he does to help you win. And the Boston Bruins, when they're not totally injured, are a pretty good team. And Brad Marchand's a pretty good player. Now, is he a total hypocrite for saying that he was going to be more like Patrice Bergeron and Zidane Chara after last season? He's learned his lesson when he's licking people left and right in the playoffs and he's going to be a different guy. Yeah, he's a bit of a hypocrite. I mean, he's, he's still kind of clowning around out there a little bit, but he's also got 21 points in 20 games. So maybe this is just the guy he is. And furthermore, the thing I take the most issue with is hurting the league's image. He's not hurting the league's image. He's getting people talking about the league. He's not doing anything. It's not as if somebody's like, oh, you know, I would very much watch that National Hockey League, but that young man waved a, a towel in the penalty box, and there's no way I'm going to spend my money and put my kids in front of that television to watch the NHL because of that young man going around and licking people. Get out of here! He gets people talking about hockey. He does nothing to hurt the image of the league. That's nonsense. That's 
nonsense that he hurts the image of the league. I hear you, but I really hear that grandma impression. <laughs> I really, I'm really digging that. Great All right, point, so, so that's Brian Burke on Brad Marchand, a, a guy who would have. Would have, he would have had 17 Brad Marchands on that Ducks team if he could have them. But now we're going to bemoan the fact that he exists. Okay, well, Brian. That's the whole paradox with these guys like Tom Wilson. Like, yeah. if Tom Wilson wasn't on the Capitals, like, everyone in the Capitals loves Tom Wilson so much that he literally would be captain if Alex Ovechkin wasn't there. Any yeah. other team wants him. Oh, yeah. I, I wish I could cl- climb into the cerebral cortex of T.J. Oshie and find out what he would actually say about Tom Wilson if Tom Wilson wasn't on his team. Because that's the first guy to defend that guy. And I know... That TJ Oshie's not defending that guy if he's a penguin. Of course not. All right. Now it's time for puck headlines. Dateline Buffalo. The hottest team in hockey. Hockey's hottest team is the Buffalo Sabres. They've got Eichels at middle stats. Uh, winners of five in a row. We debated it on the roundtable on ESPN.com this week, Emily. Are they, in fact, a playoff team? Well, they're nearing this American Thanksgiving threshold that we've kept track of over the years where I bet it leave it's nearly 80% of teams that are in playoff position on American Thanksgiving end up making the big show. Uh, you brought up a great point. It's a bit of a one-line pony. The first line's been terrific. The depth scoring's not there, but uh, they're exciting. And I think with all the other injuries around that Atlantic division, uh, specifically with the Bruins, the Lightning might not run away with it with Vasilevsky out for so long. Uh, I think they've got as good a shot as anyone. Yeah, and also, like, I know people are, are going gaga over Montreal, too. I feel like there might be a fade there going on. The Panthers have, uh, have dug themselves a pretty significant hole off at the beginning of the season as well. Um, yeah, they are a one-line team. The the Pominville-Eichel and, and Skinner line is, is really carrying a lot of the goal-scoring weight right now, which kind of worries you. But they're not riding the PDO train like teams like the Islanders are. They're actually mm. doing pretty well right now insofar as their PDO being around 100, shooting percentage, save percentage. Uh, it's all kind of in line right now. So... There's a lot of reasons to hope that they're gonna they're gonna cross the threshold. I am a little bit worried about the fact that Jack Eichel has not played 80 games since he was a rookie, and a lot worried about the fact that one hit to the head of Jeff Skinner could put him out for a significant amount of time based on his concussion history. But if those guys stay healthy, I mean, it could be the, uh, the finally the resurgence of the Buffalo Sabers that we've been waiting uh, many moons and many general managers for. Um, Dateline Edmonton. You're the Edmonton Oilers, Emily Kaplan. What the hell do you do now? I think this is a roster construction issue, and I think the GM's got to go. I, I think it's as easy as that. I think you can make a coaching change if there's an attractive candidate out there that is sober after taking a couple shot skis and wants to lead your team. Uh, but if not, I, I think you got to say, look, we have a generational player. He's here for not a you know a finite amount of time. we got to maximize it. It's not too late to press reset. Yeah, and, and, and I, I agree with you, and I also find it to be interesting that there have been some people saying that, well, a coaching change won't change anything, which is probably true. It's a construction issue. At the same time, though, as the you know other teams have shown, you kind of have to make that call at some point. I don't think they're necessarily going to bring a general manager in and turn this team around in season. That's mm-hmm. an that's an that's a summertime deal or a springtime deal where you're going to find someone to come in and lead this team uh, and be the GM there. That's for sure. Um, but a coaching change, knowing that you're going to fire Chiarelli after the season anyway and probably bring in a new coach, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I, I know that there are fans of, of, of Todd McClellan out there. I know that there are a lot of detractors of Todd McClellan out there. But at this point, when you look at this team and the way it's going, a change has to happen at some point. Uh, Dateline, Eugene Melnick. Oh, my God. The Ottawa Citizen found at least 20 contrived Twitter accounts seemingly created to launch a coordinated disinformation campaign and to attack media coverage of the Senators while lauding the team and its owner, Eugene Melnick. They found 20 sock puppet Twitter feeds, many of whom sharing the same image of of a woman who I think is a model or something. And they're all sending like pro-Senators defending Eugene Melnick tweets to people at the height of like the Uber thing and, and also other stuff. Why are the senators? Listen, I'm not. I'm not necessarily against the fake news attack uh, that that a team could use to turn the narrative around in their favor. Why do the senators suck at this, though? Honestly, I feel like they're the only team. And Eugene Melnick saw the 76ers Twitter fiasco earlier this year, Jerry Colangelo, and said, "You know what? We should try that. That guy got caught, but I won't get caught." He's the only guy that looked at that story and was like, "Hmm, not bad." It's incredible. I mean, it, again, kudos to them. If this were an American election, they probably have won by now. But unfortunately, it's the National Hockey League, and you're going after the media, and it didn't work at the Citizen. Kudos to them for digging out this story. It's a crazy one. 
Uh, Dateline and CBA, there's increased chatter that the NHL will ask for a change to the 19-year-old draft eligibility age. Oh, and ask for a change to the draft eligibility age going for 19 years old. Would increasing the draft age from 18 to 19 uh, be a significant benefit in the scouting and evaluation process? Or is it just going to, you know, end up hurting the league because now we have to wait an extra year for these kids to come in. We're going to get a lot of detractors because if you look at the way the league is trending now, there's so many 18-year-old, 19-year-olds coming in and producing right away. Like mm-hmm. Mir Heiskanen and Henry Yokiharu are both 19 years old and playing more than 22 minutes a night as defensemen who have never played in North American ice. Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see this possible. There's, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, you know what, if, if the kids can come in and they can perform as some 18-year-olds have shown they can do, why are you punishing a bad team, you know, to not have the chance to draft them. I know it's going to be a boon to other programs, but, uh, you know, like the juniors and NCAA and places like that. But I don't know. It, 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 I think also, you know, it's a situation where we're not even thinking about the rights of players. But in every single situation that comes up in the CBA, we certainly aren't thinking about the rights of players. Um, Dateline of performance enhancing drugs. You wrote a piece this week called Why Haven't There Been More PED Cases in the NHL? So I ask you, Emily Kaplan, why haven't there been more PED cases in the NHL? Well, if you ask NHL players, they'll say that hockey players are just different. We do things the right way, uh, which to which doping experts say that's BS. Um, any system is designed to let cheaters cheat, and it's naive to think in sports there's not people who are trying to gain competitive advantage. So... I think um, as lax as their, um, and it's not lax, I think it's just progressive, uh, their recreational drug uh, policy is where they mm-hmm. don't punish guys, they just try to have them help. Uh, their testing on doping leaves a lot of loopholes, and um, if a guy wants to juice up, it's it's pretty hard to get caught. Interesting. It's a great piece, and everybody should please do check it out on ESPN.com. Finally, Dateline, Turkey Day, Gobble Gobble. Emily Kaplan, build the perfect Thanksgiving dish. By the way, we, we we have done this show for over a year now. I did not know until this very point that we both share the same favorite holiday. Thanksgiving is by far my favorite holiday. Love it. I mean, for me, it's because I'm Jewish. So, like, we go all out. Like, this is our Christmas. That's true. Christmas is off the table for you. Yeah, no Christmas. Chinatown Christmas. <laughs> uh, but for my perfect meal, I'll have turkey mm-hmm. on the Now, hold side. on. Wait, wait, meat, dark meat. Uh, a little bit of combination of both, but mostly white. Um, I will then have mashed potatoes. And then I'll have Brussels sprouts with some kind of like bacon fat they were cooked in or some meat component pancetta. Uh, wow. That would be perfect. And for dessert, I will have one slice of apple pie with a scoop of ice cream, vanilla. I'll go dark meat, turkey, and all of the extra skin I can muster from that turkey onto my plate. Turkey skin, awesome. Uh, I will go stuffing because stuffing is fantastic and i have the benefit of uh having some portuguese in-laws that put chorizo in the stuffing which is pretty solid oh solid and then um the other one gosh you know this is an unpopular choice and when i say this a lot of people they kind of like bristle or make a funny face but like mushroom casserole no hell no the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top of it oh yeah you know, someone brought that to our Thanksgiving one year. I think it was like a second cousin, and they were shamed. Yeah, I know. People people get real pissed off about it because they're like, it's sweet potatoes. You don't need extra sweet topping on it. I'm like, yeah, but the crunchy, you know, if it's made right, you maybe use a little torch on the mic. I just love it. And, and then so uh, dessert. Shame you. You're going to have dessert also? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> dessert was a side dish, and then real dessert. Uh, pumpkin pie is my jam. Mm-hmm. I love pumpkin pie. Uh, I don't need any a la mode. I need some whipped cream on that pumpkin pie. And then as everybody knows when it comes to Thanksgiving, the most important thing is the next day you take some of that turkey meat, you take a piece of turkey skin, take some of that stuffing, you put it between two slices of lightly toasted bread, and then you smear a little mayonnaise inside of that bread and you have yourself the ultimate leftover thanksgiving sandwich and i said the next day i'm gonna be honest with you that's 11 o'clock at night <laughs> on thanksgiving and even the next day it's the best it's the greatest i, I do highly recommend it would you put marshmallows on that sandwich shut up you know what just first of all it's ex- it's aesthetically pleasing to put the marshmallows on this i'm not on gonna have this argument now you know what you know where this argument belongs on the espn ice rant line and we apparently have a good one this week 
Hey, Greg and Emily. I am in the sad and strange reality of being an Anaheim Ducks fan, but we need to talk about another team in the sad and strange reality that is the Pacific Division. I have seen so many articles and listened to so many people that are already writing off the Vegas Golden Knights as a one-year wonder that needs to get back on track or blow it all up, and I'm just wondering, what? I mean, the advanced stats still love them. They're just starting to get guys back, like, you know, Schmidt, Pacioretty, Stasny's still out, but he'll be back soon. That's a third of their top six and a top-pairing D-man. They've got an underrated goalie tandem with Subban backing up Flurry, and they're in the Pacific. So they're only, I think, three points out of a playoff spot as I make this call. So I'm wondering if you can talk some sense into all of these people already calling for the Vegas Golden Knights as a fluke and something that can't be repeated. Because trust me, as an Anaheim Ducks fan in the Pacific, Anything could win this division. A junior team could win this division. So please, tell us all why the Golden Knights are going to be fine. Bye. Well, first off, thanks to Shea Theodore for calling in. Um, <laughs> I think for me, like, I think, I think the, the Knights have shown in the last year that they can be a very streaky team and that, you know, corking off 10 straight wins is not necessarily something that would be too outlandish to believe the Knights could accomplish. But I think he brings up the point, Emily, and that's the, and the salient point, which is that how much did missing Nate Schmidt affect this team? How much does missing Paul Stasny affect this team? They're going to be without Eric Walla now for a while as well. I mean, there's a part of me that believes that the, the loss of their best defenseman and the loss of their second line center is a main symptom for their early season struggles. Um, I, I hope that's the case because I really like that team. And as you mentioned, I mean, you look at what the Pacific Division is right now, despite the fact that Vegas Golden Knights are off to a bad start, um, they're a mere three points out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, I hear you. When you look at Schmidt, it's like, it's not just that they're missing him, it's that Colin Miller now has to play in the top pairing, and he's not used to going against the team's top guys, and he's really a number two guy, and you know, he's out of position, so same thing happens with the number two center role, Hollow could fill the role, but now he's out, so who mm-hmm. the hell is filling it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of promote guys up, so. Um, yeah, and as for blowing it up, I think everyone around the league is, is complimenting George McPhee. At least the GMs and, and those types are for some shrewd moves like locking in Shea Theodore for a pretty good rate, uh, Pacioretty for, for making that happen. So there's no need to pack them up. I'm sorry if you're a Ducks fan because it sucks this year and last year with all your injuries, but you're probably going to have to deal with these guys for a while. Yeah, but that Florida contract still sucks. Anyways, um, the ESPN on, rant, uh, ESPN on Ice rant line is 860 1029 860-516-1029 if you want to leave rants for an upcoming episode. Uh, and that's the show for this week. Our thanks to uh, folks that we talked to. Then thanks to the folks who listen to this podcast. If you want to find my writing, it's at ESPN.com. And Emily's is there as well. I'm on Twitter at Wyshynski. And I'm at Emily M. Kaplan. And one person I said I missed out on my thankful is our producer, Ryan Matlack, who has been a joy to work with this season. Oh, that's so true as well. Um, if you want to make us happy campers around these holidays, head to iTunes and leave good reviews or any reviews, really. Whatever you say about the show will help people find the show. And, and we thank you for the salaries. folks that did leave stuff there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the show for this week. We will speak to you next week for more fun and exciting stuff in the world of the National Hockey League and hockey in general. Uh, that's it for ESPN and Ice. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.